You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? You really don't want to piss me off today, Bob. You mean because you're holding a cheeseburger? Oh, you might throw that against the wall. Is there ketchup? Do you have ketchup? It could get ugly. It's got ketchup all over the place. Then I can testify that I had seen ketchup dripping down your wall. No no music from cats is going to calm me down. I can tell you that. No. So so keep this in mind. Memories. Do not piss Mickey off. All alone. Um, so, uh, yeah, he so you must be unhinged. referring. You must be referring to the testimony. He might of, go trouble. Um, of Cassidy I, Hutchinson. Yes, uh, I guess uh, that was the big news. Uh, the um, uh, there is a there is a Cassidy Hutchinson angle, which we'll leave for, to the parrot room. But um, ooh, that sounds good. Uh, but uh, the uh, you know basically uh, there's a. Some of her testimony was disputed in weird ways. I, uh, there's there's a dispute with the Secret Service over mm. whether they actually said the thing they said. And, you know, you could easily believe how she's telling the truth and the Secret Service is in the habit of lying to cover up their clients. I, I suspect they have a code of America yeah. in, in yeah. the Secret Service. But but the thing with the lawyer over who wrote the note is weirder. Wait, what, what, uh, remind us. What, which, there, which, there's some note, some draft oh, note that she claims to have handwritten as that dictated was weird by to begin Meadows. with. Did she write in all capital letters? That was weird to begin with. I mean, it was. Huh. Well, did you see the note? Did you see I the note? I did not see the note. Oh. It's somebody's handwriting, so they should be able to figure well, it, it out. It must be hers. She must know her handwriting when she sees it. And if she writes in all caps, she writes in all caps. It was strange because it was like a, you know, a reasonably sized piece of paper. But not many words could fit. There were like, she wrote like seven words. It was like poster level <laughs> print. Well, nobody learns cursive anymore, apparently. I heard that. I'm and, alarmed. I'm very uh, alarmed about the uh, future of and, America. And they certainly know shorthand. Don't know shorthand. Well, you know, few of us Rick, ever Rick Hertzberg's big competitive advantage was he knew shorthand. I tried to learn when I was very young. I had the foresight to try. I just failed. Um, anyway, see, her story was believable to me because... You know, she could have made a much worse one. So if you're going to make up stories, why would you make up that one? Mm-hmm. And it was sort of partial. And, you know, she had a little glimpse here and a little glimpse there, the way that somebody at her level would have. Uh, you know, if she really wanted to make up a story, she would have just said, and Trump came out of the room cursing, I don't care if they have weapons. I hope they use them to storm the Capitol, okay? That would have been devastating testimony, and she didn't do that. So well, she, uh, she almost had him saying that. I, I mean, let me give you the quote. No. Who, Trump? I, no, she didn't have him saying that. But here's what I think. I mean, I think she's fundamentally credible. Uh, she may not. I mean, there's the question of her credibility. And then there's the question of, does she look credible even to Trump-leaning people? And that that's a separate question. I can imagine a more kind of cosmetically credible person but i think she's credible and uh and i also think she wouldn't make stuff up repeatedly where there's two other witnesses now now the other witnesses either may not talk for some reason or out and out deny it in the case of the secret service agents but it just doesn't seem to me you'd be making that's the kind of stuff you'd make up um right now i do think you know memory's a funny thing and and that that leads me to the very to, to the issue of kind of Trump and, and the weapons. 
I remember I remember Pat Buchanan being at my college. <laughs> you did last week, I think, <laughs> in the parrot room, and I unmasked that as the as the the lie it was. Uh, although you've lie. been lying to yourself as well. You've been lying to yourself as well. It was not lie is, that, under the Bob Wright definition, lie is an intentional. It was not a lie. It was not okay. a lie, it was self-deception. You were trying to uh put yourself in proximity to okay, Bob. Bob, I'm afraid this podcast is the Bob, closest you're the coming to. Is okay, 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 very okay. anxious. Okay, okay, okay. Did you order that? How much trouble you go to for a good prop? Did you cook that hamburger? Did you order it? Is it a fake hamburger? What? I went to Burger Lounge where I know they give out little packets of ketchup. And then you got the burger and the ketchup, and you haven't. This eaten is it? this is my lunch. If I don't throw it on the wall, it's going to be my lunch. You're going to eat it after this? Yeah. Yeah, what's wrong with it? Do you want to go put it in the fridge, cover it up or anything? I don't want you to get no, E. coli. No, don't worry about it. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, you're okay, you're sorry, making sorry. a point. I'm oh, sorry. Um, memory so, is a weird thing. Memory is a funny thing. So here's her quote. She says, I overheard the president say something to the effect of, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Well, it's kind of convenient. That, you know, he says right in that, you know, condenses so much they can march to the Capitol. I know they have weapons and so on. Uh, memory, I, I, it's conceivable that, you know, she, she had learned through separate avenue that he had been told about the weapons. And she heard him say, take the mags away. And, and I, I, I'm sure he, you know, he said that. If she said that's the kind of thing, you know, take the effing mags away. They're not here to hurt me. But is it conceivable that? His actually saying the weapons thing is something she unconsciously right. inserted. Yes, it is. Cause she she might have reflected, oh. like, I know he knew they had weapons. She might have told friends repeatedly. He knew they had weapons. Right. And then he says this, or, and then, you know, or she might have been flavor. coached that, that, that it was significant to get the march to the Capitol up as close to the weapons as possible. That there, was a, there was another element where she I'm seemed saying. too close. When she's recounting the story of the Secret Service agents, she says, you know, they told me this, I didn't witness it. But then when she's telling the story, she doesn't, she she drops the hearsay part and just said, and Trump lunged, and as if she's, there was something weird about it. She didn't say, and then, you know, he told me that Trump lunged, said, you know, he, he said, and then Trump lunged, and he said, no, I can't do that. And she she delivered a perfect made-for-TV soundbite. You can cut out the hearsay part, there was, and it, it was—it just seemed a little too polished. Uh, Generally, she was very credible, but that seemed too polished to me. Uh, the attribution was clear enough to me. I don't think you'd keep attributing every single sentence to the person I think who you told would, it. Sure, you might. You're a journalist, but I, I don't. Uh, you know that doesn't. I, I think she's fundamentally credible, and the most damning things. Are, are she's saying, I think, are things that are true. And by the way, what do you think are the most damning well, here, things? Here's the, so first, there's, an, there's a semi, a less guilty explanation for the, and they can march to the Capitol, which is they were waiting outside the ellipse. They were going to march to the Capitol. And, uh, and he wanted to inflate his crowd size, so he wanted them on the ellipse. And he said, and they can march to the Capitol from there. So he, he's explaining why he wants them to get through the mags just it was to satisfy his his insane crowd size fixation yeah. not necessarily because oh they have weapons they can march to the capital the the other the context is 
he has we there was always more than enough to impeach him. Now there's double three times more than enough to impeach him mm-hmm. if he were still president. Is there enough to, as you say, destroy his credibility in the minds of Trumpists or the voters who are going to vote in the primaries? And the third thing is there enough to indict him? Okay, there's not a, there, I I I don't think there's enough to indict him because they don't quite they certainly moved in that direction in good ways. But they they don't have him saying, you know, what does he want to do when he gets to the Capitol? Does he want to does he want to storm the place and force uh, Pence to vote to not vote for the electors, or does he want to have the crowd stay outside while he goes in? He turns out he does have the power to go in himself onto the House floor and and you know do something with the crowd being a sort of threat, a vague menacing threat outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, to that to that mind, the most Damning things are Rudy talking about Oath Keepers and Proud Boys because Rudy would definitely then know that Proud Boys like to get into fights and uh, and and that would sort of push more toward the and he knew they were going to storm the Capitol side. And also, uh, I guess Rudy's saying he's days before he's going to be in there with the senators and the with the with the House members. Uh, implies that it, it wasn't as sp- just as spontaneous winging it uh, that it looks like. It looks like just Trump was making it up on the fly. Oh, they're going to march the Capitol. Oh, or well, maybe I can lead the mob or something. Uh, uh, and that implies that it was something planned. Uh, I don't know. They, and they, those weren't the ones things that were emphasized by by the press. The press emphasized the lunging for the steering wheel which does go to the unhinged question, but that only affects the middle category of does it convince voters to abandon Trump? It's, yeah, it's not, I mean, the lunging for the wheel thing... It's not illegal to become unhinged. The lunging for the wheel thing is, to me, the least interesting or relevant. I mean, yeah, I would think the president can tell the Secret Service where the hell to take him. I'd, I'd be lunging at the guy. I'd be grabbing his clavicle. <laughs> Dude, you're working for me. But anyway, I, I know they have their own code. The Secret Service, they, you know, they have their, their things. But... Um, I think anyway, they tell the president no all the time, though. Well, they wouldn't tell President Bob no all the time, or they'd be looking for work, <laughs> Nikki. Uh, so um, I've learned that one the hard way, Bob. Have you ever? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of damning, I think it's it's damning that uh, it, you know she says she she overheard uh, Meadows uh, say, "Look, you heard him." He thinks Mike deserves it, <laughs> and he doesn't think there's anything wrong with what they're doing, the protesters, okay? She has Mark Meadows telling the, the chief counsel, chief White House counsel, during the thing, when they're yelling, the, the counsel comes in and says, they're chanting, hang Mike Pence, and, 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 and Meadows says, and this too is almost, you know, it's pretty meaty. It's almost, I'm not going to say it's too good to be true. I, I don't think she made anything fundamental up, but- you know, she's got Meadows saying, you heard him. He thinks Mike deserves it. Oh, well, that's pretty damning. It re- re- but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that he wanted that to happen when they went marched to the Capitol. It means once it started happening, he was happy, which is for criminal purposes uh, different. Oh, criminal. Look, you know, I, I think it's a bad idea to indict him unless there's like a billion smoking guns, which there's not. But, um, but there's going to be other- a lot of pressure to do it. I think, yeah, there will be. I think the other, uh, you know, I think it's also damning. She's got two separate uh, kind of sources of information, she says, 
that he knew about the weapons. I mean, one is uh, her hearing somebody say, yes, I told the president. The other is in his presence, he's saying, take the mags away, I, I, you know, whatever. Um, and I think it's damning, uh, again, in the sense of, of impeachment, if not in the sense of indictment, or just in the sense of damnation, um, that he knew there were weapons among people who could hear what he was saying? Because even the people who didn't get past the mag could, could hear what he was saying. So A, well, well, first of all, let's go back. We now know, and actually Politico had reported this a few weeks ago based on this committee's uh, evidence, but we now know for sure he planned to go to the Capitol, very much planned for that crowd to go uh, to the Capitol. And, and now it looks like he knew very well that people in the crowd had weapons of one kind or another, ranging from bear spray to, He may you know, have thought they had more weapons than they actually had. They actually didn't have that many, but. Well, we don't know how many were in the crowd. We, we don't know how many guns. were in the Capitol. They didn't search those people when they left. We don't know how many people had pistols. Okay, but we know, how, we know, we know that no, no pistols discharged from them and there were only like a handful of guns. Yeah, I mean, at, at, one point, were at one point I saw a picture of bullet holes in a Capitol window, but anyway, I don't know about uh, the, the, so anyway, I mean, he, he knows there's weapons. And I think that makes the various things he said to whip up the crowd uh, more damning, such as, quote, if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Now, he's saying that to a crowd that he knows well, includes people with weapons. He knows they're going to go to the Capitol. He's encouraging them to go to the Capitol. I just think that makes that quote a little more damning. It does. And also, it also makes, it's also sort of damning that Cipollini if I'm pronouncing his name, the, the attorney was very worried that this speech was incendiary and would land them all in jail. Yeah, I don't understand this. There's there's one trend of thought going around that this shows that Cipollini is a wimp. I think he's shows Cipollini being over over cautious. I mean, they, that's a not, lawyer. That's a lawyer's job is to be over cautious. I guess literally that's right. is. Literally, I, is. Guess, I guess that's right. Um, but uh, so, but that implies that somebody was. At least trying, I don't think there's evidence that Cipollini got to Trump, but he was trying to get the message to Trump through Hutchinson that, you know, he shouldn't send the, the crowd to the Capitol. Again, again, there was a rally planned at the Capitol. Now, was it a rally that they were planning for Trump to speak at? Sure doesn't look like it. It looks like it was going to feature diamond and silk. But, um, uh, but what did Trump plan? But the, right. But that's the issue. But that, that the point is it doesn't resolve that issue. We don't really know what Trump. No, and it's I think the thing about Trump is he doesn't think very far ahead. Right. I just you know, he goes by instinct and he has in some ways good political instincts. And I think I suspect that what he was thinking was, let's go there and see what we can make happen. But I, I suspect <laughs> having heard all this more strongly than I might have before, that he still at that speech had hopes of uh of of impeding the oh, counting sure. of the electoral votes he thought oh, he thought he could still pull it out if he and he thought his going over there could facilitate that i don't know what right. how but clear he, an image he had in mind but it is he was going damning. to sway that with the power of his argument bob yeah right you know he knew damn well he was going to use the crowd to intimidate them in one right, sense or another and is that illegal by itself? I don't know. If he oh, leaves well, the crowd outside, 
I mean, illegal? I don't know, but is he's it, damned it, either way. I mean, he's, we, yeah. we, everybody agrees he's damned. The question is how damned. And no, not everybody agrees. Thirty percent of America doesn't agree, or some, whatever the percentage is. It's not a everybody declining agrees. percentage. Uh, but is there evidence of that? Yeah, the evidence came last week in New Hampshire, where DeSantis beat him in a poll. So presumably, it, it didn't improve. Presumably, is what were the previous improve. New Hampshire polls showing? He was 20, 30 points ahead. Oh, really? Yeah. Excellent. It's a huge turnaround. So, but um, in the national, there was a national poll that came out today that still showed him 20 points ahead. But New Hampshire is always way ahead of the national polls. The, you know, the mm. primaries are determined. That, that always happens in the primaries. The national polls are crap. You have to go by the states. So, Because they're putting more polling resources into there or what? They in New Hampshire, they've started paying attention to the election. In uh, in the nationally, it's just some vague right, but that, name recognition, you know, and popularity right. contest. That, 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 yeah, but that could mean that what's happened in New Hampshire is they're actually taking a closer and closer look at DeSantis and saying, "Hey, he's okay." That could right. have nothing to do with the recent revelations about Trump. But it preceded the recent revelations about Trump, so it obviously had nothing to do. Well, with okay, that, then but, I get back to the question: but, what uh, what is the evidence that any of this stuff about January sixth is hurting? Well, they, they, that was after the, the January 6th stuff. It was after the January 6th, it was just before Hutchinson's testimony. But the evidence is that the Trump world is freaking out about it. They who, obviously who think it's damaging. Out? Oh, the whole, you know, they're all, they're all, they were all trying to counter-program it, and then they're dumping on Hutchinson, and they're using yeah. these factual disputes as a, as a convenient out. The bizarre thing is the press has given Hutchinson a harder time than I would have thought. In what way? The press, the press is focusing on these disputed facts. Very early on, there was a post from Jay Dawsey saying the committee had J Josh Dawsey saying the committee of the Washington Post, the committee had the testimony of the Secret Service agents. Why didn't they tell us? Okay, the Post would not. You would not think the Post would be anti-committee, anti-Hutchison. You just wouldn't think that. What Josh Dawsey especially, he's a hysteric anti-Trumper. So, Wait, they they already had the testimony of Secret Service agents denying her account. We don't of, know what they. Presumably, they covered everything. We don't know what they said. Uh, I, I don't. Um, I don't think they had gone around to confronting them with what she said in the most recent testimony. That specific steer, right, steering wheel grabbing. And then what happened? And then what happened? Then you got in the car. Then what happened? Yeah, so but they probably left it out. But yeah, they oh, I'm sure they left it out, or else they would have brought them in to testify for God's sake. But they must, you know. But but um, but that doesn't mean that they had denied it before yeah. she testified. Now, see, it could be that that Josh Dossie is uh, pissed off at the committee for for a public relations blunder. I, I mean, you know, if they had called in the Secret Service agents and gotten their denial. Then they could have just left the steering wheel anecdote on the cutting room floor. You know, there was a risk in bringing her in and 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 throwing out some stuff for the first time because then it can be contradicted by witnesses right. you haven't heard. Um, Wait, if they had, if if the agents had had ignored the steering wheel, or I guess what I'm saying is, you, you could say that there's an argument they departed from the norm here. They brought her in. I mean, they had brought. Uh, they brought her in to say some things that were sufficiently new and involved other witnesses uh, that they might draw, you know, contradictory testimony from those witnesses down the road. It seems like it was a little bit of a risk, and maybe that's what's right. happened. So the, why would that piss Jazzy off? 
because they, they but, took a risk. Yeah, because they took a risk. He'd rather they stick no. with what they had done, which is get everything taped in advance. And the only thing the witnesses say in front of you is completely scripted, vetted, you know, double checked and everything. Um, uh, that seems unlikely. Also, that that sort of concern does not pay off in the web. As you know, in your discussion with Matthew Iglesias, virality means you have to stay on brand. And Josh Dawsey's brand is, I bash Trump. Okay. So uh, anyway, it was just weird. Um, and we could talk about it some more, you know where. In uh, the parrot room. But um, the... Uh, I think I... Uh, yeah, I do want to explore this have. more, including what, well, including several things, but yeah. Um, Andy, so no, I don't know where, uh, where the, I, let me say one more thing. When we last, last week, I had, I had not sat down and watched any of these things for any length of time. I had caught snippets on the radio. Uh, earlier, before her testimony, I sat down and watched a complete thing. It was the second day of hearings. And I think what they're doing is assembling an extremely valuable document. And I don't even so much mean her testimony. I mean, if you look at the way the other, the more prepackaged ones work, is they really bring in a lot of relevant testimony and drive home. I mean, I honestly, there's two things I didn't realize. How many people said to Trump, this is total bullshit. And, and also, how exhaustively these things have been investigated. You know, they, they took in, in this thing alone, in this, uh, in this test, in this uh, hearing alone, wait, my, I don't want my uh, computer to run out of power. Um, they took uh, a number of the key allegations and brought on people who had looked at them very carefully and closely. Uh, you know, the allegations of fraud, I mean, and, uh, and so, anyway, it's a great, it's an important I, historical document. I always, I always thought it was worthwhile to to do an investigation. Uh, it, it, I, I, but I just didn't think they would get the goods, and they'd come closer to getting the goods than I thought they would. But I don't think they quite I, have by, the goods. Wait, what goods did you not think they get that they've gotten? Uh, you know, evidence conclusively proving that Trump intended the attack on the Capitol, and he's, you know, guilty of of orchestrating it. Um, yeah, I, it, it looks worse and worse <laughs> for him. It looks uh, worse and worse, but they're not all the way there yet. Well, I mean, like you said, for impeachment uh, purposes, they're way beyond what you'd yeah. need. To say it's, he was trying to subvert the Constitution, they're way beyond what you would need. I, the criminal questions are difficult. Uh, nailing somebody for inciting a riot is very hard and so on. Yeah. But I do, I do worry that the Republicans are putting all their Trump alternative eggs in the DeSantis basket. Uh, which is very, very risky. He, he seems okay to me, but he is a little stern. He's a little humorless. He's a little uh, too uh, Trumpy in the sense that it's hard for him, I think, to move to the center, maybe a little harder, even than Trump. Trump could, Trump was so Trumpy, he could say, and I'm for Medicare, and nobody batted an eye. You know, DeSantis, I don't, I mean, he probably is for Medicare, but it just seems like it's, it's, he is, position on the right is shaky enough that he, there's a limit to how uh, far he can go to the left. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, in, 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 a, in, in the national campaign, you want to do that. 
It's also possible that people just will see more of him and not like it. Well, if it's what you say, I love it. Uh, I don't know uh, enough about him, but I certainly hope he's a bad candidate. I didn't even know enough about him ideologically. Like what? I assume that like everyone else, when it comes to foreign policy, that's the one place he actually departs from Trump. He's a neocon, basically, or what? I don't know. We have to read Dexter Filco's story in The New Yorker. I mean, hard to believe he ignores foreign one policy. downside of, uh, I mean, Florida tends to point in that direction. I mean, certainly you get, you know, anti-Cuba, anti-Venezuela, you get a lot of the normal uh, the, problems. But the, um, the, 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 the Trumpy people have been pretty, especially the Peter Thiel candidates, have been pretty consistent in terms of not buying in to the blob consensus uh, in a way that implies that there's a political payoff for not buying into the blob consensus. So DeSantis may be advised not to do that. The um, Meanwhile, Fetterman is kicking ass in Pennsylvania. Mm. He better not, you know, if he actually shows up, he, may, he might lose some of his momentum. So he better stay in bed Bane. while his campaign ads just eviscerate uh, Dr. Oz. And, uh, you know, it, 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 the Democrats are getting very cocky about the Senate. Their, their campaign... Uh, after after uh, the Dobbs decision is give us two votes and we will uh, pass an abortion bill, two more Senate seats, and the two Senate seats are Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. It looks like they're well on their way to winning Wisconsin, winning Pennsylvania. I don't know about Wisconsin, but the Democrats are getting increasingly confident about uh, retaining the Senate and maybe even increasing it with uh, Warnock beating Herschel Walker in Georgia. It's still, you know, they still might lose Arizona uh, to Blake Masters. Uh, I, I've never seen that, but it's possible. Oh, he's, so you he, think Masters is an underdog, even with all of Peter Thiel money? I just, I, I have the, I have a crude, non-resident view, which is Mark Kelly is an astronaut hero whose wife was almost murdered. Uh, he commanded the space shuttle. I mean, how, how could he fuck that up? But you got to admit, you got to admit, Blake Masters is a pretty good name. Blake Masters. He did this interesting thing where he came out against gay marriage, which is hmm. an odd thing to do if you're a Peter Thiel-funded candidate. But um, it shows he's independent. <laughs> yeah, it shows they really want to win. Um, the uh, hmm. So if the, if the Democrats actually increased their control of the Senate, might they uh, mess with the filibuster? Uh, and, and which in turn would mean, would, would uh, mean abortion related legislation, possibly, which I think, well, and might, of course, this they, all they're going to they, lose the house. They're so going to lose the house. Get, nothing's going to get through the house. Okay, so, so never mind. But they could still get rid of through the, they could still get rid of the filibuster, which have the, which might have the effect of when the Republicans take power, then they have both the house and the yeah, Senate. But they're, they're smart enough. Why waste that when they can't do anything with it because the house? I wouldn't, you know, they're not. Because they're, they've actually convinced themselves that it's a principle as opposed to a tactical move mm. on their part. I don't see that. Is there no chance that the Democrats win the House or, or keep the House? I'm sure there's a chance, but it's like one in 10, people think. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, if, there, if the Roe thing goes, goes, you know, has as, as many legs as, as you think, there was a, this change in the generic poll that showed the Democrats for like a couple of days gaining the advantage. It seems to be slipping back into the Republican advantage. I do have some things to say. I have a long, complicated thing to say about the Dobbs decision. Well, I, I want to say something about the Supreme Court. I mean, first, I would just say that 
it goes beyond Roe. I mean, it, it, you know, if they want to use, we need a new Supreme Court to mobilize voters, they now have a multi-pronged attack. I mean, there's there's Roe, there's guns, now there's the environment. You know, they got, uh, it's, it can be a pretty broad-based appeal to people with different, you know, issue obsessions. Um, but anyway, go I, ahead. I don't think expanding the Supreme Court has wide popularity. I think no, the I mean, no, I mean, just vaguely, like, you have to win congressional elections. I mean, just driving Democrats to the polls by saying I mean, you got to get Democrat senators in there, and then they're at the polls and they vote for the House. Oh, because, because, you know, because, uh, just in terms of appointing judges to the existing yeah, Supreme yeah. Court. Yeah. Just we need a new Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, that that requires a conservative to uh, be off the court, and they all look pretty healthy. Ah, oh, you never know. Um, you never know. Yeah, um, um, I agree. You never. I, know. I mean, you really don't. I mean, I guess what is I don't know who's oldest. Uh, Thomas. Thomas um, is very old. Yeah. Uh, so, um, well, the, the the easiest case to discuss is the EPA case. They're all they're all pretty important cases. Uh, the the um, the the uh, the EPA case it, it all you know this is part of the right wing uh, attack on the administrative state which has a point which is the administrative state is the headless fourth branch of government it it, it passes regulations that have the effect of laws but how is it democratically accountable obviously all well, those the president the president is elected that is one answer but in, in but in theory these are they're creatures of Congress it's very bizarre. In theory, they're not creatures of the executive Well, then that's branch. your answer. Both Congress and the president are democratically elected. Right, but Congress, can Congress delegate all its power to say, okay, we're, we're tired of legislating. We're going to let the uh, sure. Princeton, New Jersey PTA is going to pass all the laws for us. Of course it can do. Uh, it no, does it can. all the time. does it all the time. That's right, but is that constitutional? Should it well, be able to be? do that? Because there's something called the delegation doctrine that said they couldn't do it because it's crazy. Where does that come from? Where does that doctrine come it's from? A, it's a it's a judge-made doctrine of constitutional law. Oh yes, and this Supreme it, Court has favor, and this Supreme Court has extreme reverence for precedent, right? So they so they well, can't. No, the Supreme Court is is reviving the delegation doctrine. That's what this whole EPA thing was about. Supposedly, right. Basically, that, that's my the point. basic contours are they should pass these things as law. Okay, if you want to regulate coal, regulate coal. Pass a coal regulation as a law. And there's no judicial review. There's no Administrative Procedure Act. It just becomes the law. There's no tier delay. But Congress is too inefficient to do that. So they delegate it to the EPA, okay? Then, then the conservatives come up with this major question doctrine, which is if, it, if EPA can do its thing if it's just little things, but if it's a big major question, Congress really has to say it. They can't just say, EPA, go regulate the environment, and the EPA does whatever the hell it wants about the environment. This was even worse case for the liberals than that because it, it was something in the EPA's wheelhouse. Con Congress said, you know, EPA, you go regulate pollution from coal. And this was a regulation of pollution from coal, but it was a big, complicated market trading scheme that developed multiple power plants. And the court said, sorry, that's too much. It's like Congress has to give. It's, so it's, okay. court it's not clear where they draw the line on what they can delegate and what they can't. That's the problem. Oh, I but, thought you earlier said 
The question is whether they should be allowed to delegate. At first, it didn't sound like you were questioning the intent of delegation in this case, the congressional intent. You just said Congress should not be allowed to overdelegate. Well, they obviously have to delegate a, a little. I mean, they have to. They can delegate, you know, uh, you know, set a mileage standard for cars, and should it be thirty-four miles to gallon or thirty-six miles to the gallon? Well, they let the experts decide that. Uh, but uh, the question is: Is the delegation too broad, or or are they saying, "Here, go fix all the problems with the environment. We don't care what you do. We use your expertise." That's too broad. So the question is, where in between fiddling with the mileage standards and fixing everything, you decide if you believe in the delegation doctrine, which this new majority does, and I think rightly so. Uh, where do you draw the line? And they drew, they went mm. further than I would have drawn mm. because because this was in the EPA's wheelhouse, and mm. you know if the EPA when the, if the EPA says we have jurisdiction over these pollutants, so we want a jurisdiction over carbon dioxide, which is not a pollutant. That could be a stretch. So they, they, they could decide, well, that's a, a jurisdictional power grab. This was not a jurisdictional power grab. It was just a huge complex scheme within their existing jurisdiction, which I think I would have said, okay, go ahead. Congress can always reverse it if it wants. I mean, the president can always right, reverse it. Right, Congress can. And it doesn't seem to me this is the truly conservative position, what the Supreme Court did. The Supreme Court said, no, the Supreme Court, these, you know, should be making these these important calls about legislation, not Congress. We should do it. And, and, and no, the, no, the the Supreme Court isn't making the call about legislation. Yeah, it's, it's making telling the call us about what the, question, what a ma what major question means. Congress can come in and say this isn't what we meant. This isn't what this is. This is over delegation. This right, is the, bad. The problem Congress is with can our, do that. There's a ratchet in our Constitution. It has to get past the president's desk again. That's the problem. The problem well, that's also uh, the. You know the 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 grounds for giving uh, some authority to the executive branch to, to in order to maintain some some consistency of administration and policy. The the, the well, right. right. That's that the, the problem with the, that is that then it looks like elections have no effect at all because the bureaucratic policy keeps going and going no matter who's elected. Well, if you uh, have a, if you have a, a democratically elected president, uh, plausibly. Um, in you know, administering administering what is plausibly the intent of a democratic Congress, democratically elected Congress, and that Congress, the current Congress, can at any point come in and say, "No, that's not what we meant." Yeah. Look, I mean, let, the, let me. The, let me it's, it's a complete it's complete bullshit because the theory is that it is not the president directing it; it is the agency with its independent expertise directing it. Everybody knows that's bullshit, but that's the legal rationale. In the constitutional scheme, these agencies should not exist. Congress should, you can have the executive branch, you have the Congress passing laws that are executed by the executive branch. This middle ground where these agencies make up new rules that everybody has to obey, just like laws, that it's, an, it's a carbuncle on the constitutional scheme. Uh, and the conservative position is, let's stick to the constitutional scheme. And the liberal position know, is the Constitution can't handle the demands of modern regulation. And they're right. Exactly. The answer exactly. is the Constitution is fucked up and you have to change the Constitution. Yeah, but you can't do that. The Constitution can't be changed, and yet America has to adapt to modern of times. Of course it can be changed. No, it can't. In, in current America, I mean, this is a separate rationale for this degree of administrative authority. It's just that the whole democracy is completely broken. I mean, you can't get red and blue America well, to agree on anything well, at well, all. Why isn't the, the uh, 
a more limited question of the, a version of the major question doctrine or reasonable compromise, which is, yeah, they let these agencies do, but if it's anything really, really important, I'm sorry, they, they can't just do it on their own. Uh, you have to get the elected representatives to pass it. That's it's not a crazy compromise. And who defines they really, really important? The, the well, somebody has to, and they decide a series, themselves. A bunch, of, a bunch of justices who were appointed by presidents who didn't win the popular vote in this case. Yes, but the, it's their job to decide how the Constitution works, and in this case, they're doing it. So, uh, uh, the, I mean, it, this was the easy case. We have harder ones to go. Well, let me, uh, I mean, first of all, just a quick frustration is that in the, in the coverage of this, not that I exhaustively searched for it, but I never see like, what is the language in statute whose interpretation is in question? There must be some passage in the EPA that we're talking about or something. Yeah, I, I looked for that quickly and I didn't find it either. That's what I mean. Uh, These reporters. It's, it's there somewhere, but the reporters never give it. Um, they always highlight some other part of the decision. Well, that's what I'd like to know, to think clearly about this. Now, let yeah. me say one thing about a Supreme Court ruling that will lead to a larger point. Um, so uh, last week, I complained about the gun ruling. Some people complained that I got it wrong. And I think the, uh, my characterization of the ruling wrong. And I think I kind of did, but let me explain why that doesn't matter. So this was the ruling where what seemed to me to be the case was uh, the Supreme Court, you know, New York, said, look, the default situation is you just can't carry a gun in public. If you really have a special need, we'll grant you an exemption. Supreme Court said, you can't do that because carrying a gun is a right. So the default position has to be, everybody has the right to carry a gun uh, unless there's a specific reason to exclude them uh, from that pool. And it better be a good reason. And well, okay. So people pointed out to me. I guess it, that that the 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 Supreme Court decision does say you can demand a light that, that states can require a license to carry a gun. That's I, kind of the point that was made to me as a corrective, and that's true. They said it, but they're still basically saying, as I understand it, licensing. It's like a background check. If 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 when they apply for the license. You don't find like a felony or something disqualifying. Right. Now, also, apparently the Supreme Court said you could also require like a little gun course, a gun safety course or something. Okay, right. that's something. But still, what the, the, the upshot is everybody gets to carry a gun unless every, every person motivated to go seek a license and go through the rigmarole gets to carry a gun unless they're like a felon or something. And- right. I just want to say that, uh, so I do have a clear understanding of what they say, but I'm about as concerned as I ever w was because the people I'm concerned about are the people who are highly motivated to go around carrying a gun, okay? It's like- Right, but, you said, but, but, but one point you made is, I think, uh, undermined by that, which is if the cops search you and they find an unlicensed gun, they can still bust you uh, and they can still search for those unlicensed guns. And they discover all sorts of other stuff, and they take a lot of criminals off the streets for that. So they, there is, they do have a little bit of a, still a little bit of a strategy there. Right. They they can they can that way pick up completely hapless people who didn't have the presence of mind to go fill out the form. 
And or, th- or or gangbangers, yeah. Well, if they're actually felons, I mean, gangbangers may have the presence of mind. I mean, let's don't speak disparagingly do. about gangbangers, Mickey. Some of them have very well planned lives. Actually, actually, <laughs> Ann Coulter has a little podcast snippet where she says that the girlfriend loophole is a real loophole uh, because gangbangers get girlfriends to get the licenses for them. They can't get in themselves. Uh, so, yes, they have the presence of mind to get the license. Right. So, so when they're, but, but, when they're actually, stopped and frisked, they will have a license. But let me say, my main concern, a lot of my concern has to do with how flammable the American environment is right now. So, like, I'm concerned about uh, a few, uh, uh, you know, like half a dozen guys hearing that there's going to be some Antifa people over on that corner and walking over there with guns or a bunch of Antifa people hearing there's going to be some Trump supporters and walking over there with, with some guns. Are, are, you know, I, I'm worried about, you know, it's a very, you know, about something incendiary happening in this kind of environment. That's one of my main worries. And that worry is not significantly mitigated uh, by what I now have learned, gotten clarified about the law. The fact is, people who really, if they re- if they really want to carry a gun in public, you can't stop them, okay? The question, Unless they're felons or right. something. And I already knew The question knew that. is... Is your beef with the court or is your beef with a constitution that is not written for modern times? I I think think my beef is with the court. And this is, let me make a larger point. Having reflected on like, you know, EPA uh, guns and this uh, football prayer case where they said the local school district can't stop the football coach from praying with his players on the the half 50 yard line. There's a big factual dispute. He wasn't playing with his, he wasn't, Praying with his players. No players well, they were, joined him. They joined him. him, didn't they? They joined him. And then, they, as I understand, I'm just reading right-wing sources in my cocoon, but uh, they claim that he was told to desist from inviting the players or from having the players do it, and he desisted. He just prayed by himself. The players didn't join him. They, they could have well, if they wanted to. But well, they that didn't. would matter. If true, that's not what I had heard. I had heard, oh, they could if they wanted. I had heard they kept wanting to. And they did. And and that, uh, that's, uh, and that's some kept wanting to. And if you've ever been on like a high school athletic team, you know that if a critical mass of the team is doing you this thing think, that I the know. coach cares about, you got to oh, yeah. join in. That's if why you want to, you know, that's why it's quite shocking if nobody joined him. But I think some did th- uh, by my anyway. Let me just say, I suspect reflecting on all of these cases, I, I'm not a lawyer and I haven't looked at it closely. But I suspect I could make a strong case if I spend a lot of time that this court is not truly ideologically conservative uh, in its, I mean, how should I put this? I think you can explain all of these rulings by this court, by the conservatives having come in with a right-wing policy agenda, the agenda of the religious right, the pro-gun right, the anti-regulatory right. I think it gets harder to see their decisions as an expression of conservative philosophy in the abstract, right? Because like in principle, you would think, you you know, you, you, a conservative would like to leave regulation to New York rather than some federal body like the Supreme Court telling New York what to do. You'd think they'd like to leave uh, things at the discretion of the local school board and the local school administration, rather than the, the Supreme Court telling them what to do. So, you, so then the question becomes, in, in those cases, for example, the gun case and the prayer case, well, 
does conservative judicial philosophy mandate that in those well, cases they override the conservative preference for state and local governmental autonomy? But, I kind of think it would be hard to make those the case that the well, answer is yes. They they argue that they're right. So the certainly the of course the they argue Roe, ca- the Roe case and the EPA case are both pro democracy. They reflect a principled uh, position that. These decisions should be made democratically by Congress in the way that the Constitution says. They shouldn't be, be made by unelected bureaucrats, and they shouldn't be made by unelected judges. Well, so we're returning, we're returning uh, abortion to democracy, and we're returning okay. this EPA rule to democracy. Okay, well, that, I mean, that's, the, that seems consistent okay. and not policy oriented. What the Roe case, what the Roe case and the EPA case have in common is they're not the two cases I just mentioned. To, uh, right, but you said that the majority of the Supreme Court is unprincipled, and I'm saying well, no. You no, have to they be able to argue two cases you, that were principled. If you're going to argue that they are conser- principled uh, conservatives, you're going to have to be able to apply that to all four cases. And I think the cases where you would be most likely to be able to argue the opposite again, I haven't done the research. It's just a, it's just a guess. Would be the gun case and the prayer right, case. Right, because they claim that they see rights in the Constitution. The, the Constitution is supposed to give anti-majoritarian rights. Okay, but they I found guess, those two. It's not necessarily unprincipled. But well, they found them. Yeah, what motivated them to find them, and are they really there? there in the Second Amendment? It says the right okay, to bear arms. Let's read the Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, how do you read that as not saying? that the motivation for, the justification for all of this is the importance of the states being able to have a well-regulated militia. You, you have well, to, A, in who some cares sense, about their regulation? B, the way they formed the militia is people got the guns that they were carrying around for their own personal use and joined the militia. Okay, but, but here's- so They this want is, people to carry around guns for their personal use. And if you look at the history, wait, wait, it's wait, like wait, 50-50. Wait, wait. No, that's exactly what I mean. Where do you get that? It says that- this basically from, says, from look, what was the whole the, rationale from the reality for what, of the colonial times when they passed that thing. Well, let's just read the plain language. Don't conservatives like plain the language? Plain la- the plain language is that there's a clause there that is irrelevant to the meaning of the meat of the sentence. And the meat of the sentence is a right to keep and bear, which means carry, bear arms. So you're arguing that they shouldn't be able to carry the arms. It says right there, bear arms. So it seems to me they have a Why did they even put in a well-regulated militia being necessary, blah, 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 comma? Why did they put that in? I don't know. They were verbose. They were like Matt Iglesias. They were writing too fast. Oh, that's a great explanation. That's a great explanation. No, I mean, not everything everything in the Constitution is is perfect. And also, I explained why. It's because the militia came from the people taking their at-home arms into the the state militias. I mean, I don't know. I'm— if you look at the history, well, wait. I remember, I like many people, I went and looked at the history, assuming that the liberal interpretation would be right, and it was very, very muddy. There was a bunch of evidence that the liberal interpretation was wrong, and Akhil Lamar, apparently, and other people have looked at it, and they've come to the same conclusion. So, I, I just, not everything in the Constitution is right. It's a stupid provision. You have to enforce the stupid oh, provision. Okay, let's just look at the provision. I mean, you tell me if indeed the purpose of this is so that people can defend themselves when they're walking around self-defense. Why? Why would? Why on earth would they put it like this? But and, and write a sentence whose logical meaning is the entire justification for what we're about to say well, is the importance the of having a well-regulated militia. Is what they're justifying, what they're justifying, is pretty clear. 
They could have said, because we like uh, manly men, the right to keep and bear arms, who cares what the, what the preceding clause says? I mean, there may be some cases where it's relevant. What do you mean, who motive cares? Is, motive, motive is not as relevant as what they, what they did with the motive. What they did with the motive is they said there's a right to bear arms. No, the standard meaning of sentences with this structure, it being the case that uh, you walked onto my lawn and I own it, I get to shove you. What that means is the entire justification for my shoving you is that you walked on my lawn and it's my lawn. That, that, that's just the way language is used. I think this is, is a logically distinct sentence. I think you can distinguish. I'm not Bertrand Russell, and I only got four hours sleep, so I can't distinguish those sentences logically, but I think... Well, okay, let me just say one more thing. It, were this conservative court to take the actual language seriously? I mean, the way, the way, I, the way I would see it is, you know, if you're, if you're a true conservative, you can at times, uh, you know, be torn between two things. It's like, well, uh, the Constitution kind of seems to say this, but I also want to keep as much autonomy, as, as much power as possible in state and local hands. What should I do? And I would think if, well, uh, if you want to keep the power in state and local hands and you look at the Constitution, it doesn't really completely compel you to do otherwise. The true conservative doesn't do otherwise. This sentence does not compel you to do otherwise. In fact, let me just say one more thing. This sentence is very much open to making a distinction between the relative importance of the keeping and the bearing of arms. In other words, it's like, uh, if we're talking about regulating a militia, okay, I can see saying, so everybody, you know, you gotta, everybody's gotta have the arms. They gotta keep the arms. We might need them at any point for, for the militia, but certainly the regulation of a militia involves the regulation of the circumstances under which the arms are actually born, right? That, that is a much more, I'm just saying, if you're a conservative and you want to keep the power in the, in the, the local or state level and you say, do, am I really compelled by this wording in the Constitution to do otherwise? There's kind of here a, a real opportunity to, to, to assert a logical distinction between keeping not to, It's not unprincipled to vindicate the right and to, and to diminish the power of the state and local. There are two principles. Well, one is we believe in rights and the other is we believe in state and local power. Let so me neither, just, neither decision is unprincipled. Okay. Some I, are unfortunate, but, you know, it's okay. not unprincipled. I, I just say, like, there's a lot of, there are dimensions along which this court varies. Sometimes it cares about precedent with Roe, and sometimes whatever that principle is you were talking about with the administrative state, what's the principle? The greater the delegation doctrine. Dele okay. Sometimes they really care about pre precedent. That's judicial well, precedent. Okay. No, actually, they were they they they're reviving a precedent that had fallen out of favor. So in well, a that's sense, that's even worse. In a sense, they're reversing stare decisis. Uh, no, well, in a sense, they're doing it to recover it more deeply. Either one. The, the initial thing doing. begins with precedent. So sometimes they care about precedent. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's a plain reading of the Constitution. Sometimes it's not. What is consistent? It's the policy outcomes. Pro-gun, uh, pro-prayer, anti-abortion, anti-regulation. Okay, now, interesting exception, I guess, I didn't pay that much attention, is this immigration case? Is that, but that, but to me... No, the it, immigration case just said, just said uh, uh, we think that the administration has, you know, followed the Administrative Procedure Act uh, 
in terms of of reversing remain in Mexico and they you know and that's that, the problem with that is the administrative procedure act as as you know the way we, the way the headless fourth branch of government was justified is okay we'll bring in the courts to supervise it for arbitrariness and capriciousness okay so the, that adds an extra anti-democratic element we have the undemocratic regulators and they're overseen by the undemocratic courts and 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 the problem is that the justice roberts basically gets to decide which regulations he wants he didn't like he he didn't like trump's daca regulation so we threw that out uh, on completely trumped up grounds and he sort of likes this one so he keeps this one but that's the, the real issue in the case they punted on which is uh, do they have to detain these people? If they can't send them to Mexico, there's a law that says they shall detain them. Does that mean they have to detain them or can he release them into well, the country, which is what he's doing? Uh, and that's going to be decided next year. Yeah, I mean, all I was going to so, say was in this one case, for purposes of my thesis, again, tentative, haven't researched it, but I do think I can make this case. For my purposes, in a way, it doesn't matter. That That's the one case that almost doesn't matter because... Uh, that's a case where Trumpist conservatism might, uh, I gather, oppose the, the policy outcome, upshot of this decision. I don't know. But in any event, this is, to some extent, a pre-Trumpist conservative court. A, Trump didn't appoint all the conservatives. B, I doubt he had the presence of mind to make sure they were all Trumpist anyway, being Trump. So, well, they're anyway. Not Trumpists. They're the three. They're the right. same. Two of them are the two justices that George Jeb Bush would have appointed. That's my point. My argument is consistent. My argument is that these outcomes are the outcomes you would expect for a policy agenda driven conservative pre-Trumpist conservative court. And I I think it's all you could also say that this is a court that believes in democracy and they believe in rights and they enforce democracy and they enforce rights. And sometimes they draw the line at a place where, you, where we, you and I would, wouldn't like or we disagree on, but it's not necessarily policy-oriented, especially with the Roe case. I don't think it's policy-oriented. That's, uh, that, that's the case I'm most willing to concede on, on, uh, as far as the judicial logic. I have a, I have a long, uh, I can hope, I, I can briefly state uh, the, uh, disc, my point about Roe, which uh, stems from a very good uh, dialithic article in Slate that is the beginning of uh, wisdom on the subject, uh, but I, uh, it's so long that maybe we should defer to the paragraph. Yeah, we're at we're at we're close to an hour, so um, okay. And it gets what? longer. What? <laughs> and it'll be longer. That's um, okay. What'll be longer? I've, oh wait, I didn't say anything at all about Ukraine. What? I didn't say anything at all about Ukraine. We have a whole bunch of other topics to talk about. We got yeah. Ukraine. We have. Uh, Inflation. Uh, we have Jelaine Maxwell. We have. Uh, uh, I had one point I wanted to make about wokeism. Uh, uh, we have, I want to make a, a point about woke Boris Johnson. He said that uh, Putin's invasion of Ukraine was a classic example of, quote, toxic masculinity. And if Putin had a woman, the invasion would never have happened. I want to uh, discuss that and, and, and ask whether actually the evidence is consistent with that and whether, for that matter, uh, I don't know. When I, when, I was yeah. a, when I was a radical in the 60s, feminism, the hope of feminism was when women in power, they would behave differently. Now it's considered sexism to 
suggests when women suggests that women in power behave differently. I think the evidence is they don't behave differently. So look at Margaret Thatcher in Argentina. I mean, I think it's more complicated than that. I think you could argue that they're more likely to. I mean, I want to get into all this and what uh, primatologists primatologists have observed about female chimpanzees and a lot of things. So um, also, yeah. You want to talk about Ukraine quickly then before we leave? I can talk about it in the parrot. I mean, I'll talk about it a little more in the parrot room. I mean, um, the uh, but you know the the momentum still in the Donbass seems to be with Russia. Okay, so Luhansk province is pretty much gone. I mean, there may still be some lo- uh, some some mopping up in uh, Lisa Chansk. Is the name Lisa Chansk? Whatever the name of the city is, but that's pretty much it uh, for but, that but province. The, the, there's all this expert testimony that. This is it for Russia. They they've basically used all their resources, and now they're going to have to have a pause while they resupply and regroup. That it took them, it took them combining six different armies to to take this one town, and they ain't going to do it again anytime soon. Well, we will we will see because the the what's left now in Donetsk is there are these two cities that are fairly close together, Krimatorsk and what is it, Severinsk or something. They are apparently very well fortified. Uh, but you know, that's what they've said about, uh, you know, there, there were some other well-fortified places. I mean, we'll see. It's, it's certainly not, I don't think anybody thinks they're going to fall within, you know, two or three weeks, but, uh, that what you're saying, they're saying now about Russia is what they were saying, what, True. you know, about Russia before they took, uh, Severodonetsk and, and Lisa Chansk. So, uh, we'll see. Um, all right. So I've, Probably talk a little more about Ukraine. Uh, oh, we have, they, we, yeah. We could talk about NATO being wildly happy that they now can have this ambitious neo Cold War plan. I'm sure you're on board with that. You mean that? Uh, yeah. 300,000 troops, and they have a purpose. They were a purposeless organization before. Now all of a sudden they have a great purpose again. They're ecstatically happy. Yeah. Uh, There's the, also uh, a Middle Eastern NATO that may be in formation if we're uh, not right. careful. They had a secret meeting. Secret meeting. Uh, of uh, uh, all the anti-Iranian powers. Yeah. Um, uh, there's Kaliningrad. What do you think about that? Uh, there's well, That's uh, related to the wisdom of NATO expansion question. Oh, it is? Okay. You can tell us. And uh, and there's the Cafe Milan, Milano leak, which is what I loved. I'm not the, up on that. One. The Russian ambassador had did had. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, I read had, that. Had lunch with Khalilzad, our envoy, former envoy to Afghanistan, uh, and a reporter overheard what they talked about. Yeah, it was somewhat reassuring. Well, it suggests that there's more. Yeah, it, it was. We can talk about that. The um, uh, Sunny, uh, is it Barger or Barger? Barger, the Barger. Hell's Angel guy. The Hell's Angel guy died. At 83, right. which just goes to show, I mean, that's a pretty good long life. Just goes to show you clean living is the key to longevity, Mickey. But right, we, I he, wanna, he, he switched and started clean living after a while? No, that was kind of a joke because Hell's Angels No, I think he did switch. I think he got it together. Oh, really? He, he, went, yeah. he went vegan at, uh, at age <laughs> 81? Know, the, the quote I heard from him was, you got to, you know, get your lawlessness out of the way early and then you can live a long life. Well, that's so what presumably I he's, at some point he stopped being lawless. Yeah. So I want to... Um, I'm going to give you the Hell's Angels quiz. Uh, the uh, in the parrot room. Um, Altabont. I, I want to. I want to. 
Yeah, there is an Altamont question on the in the in the Hell's Angels quiz. That's only two or three questions. But and Altamont isn't is, the answer. No, Altamont is not the answer. Third Street in New York. The answer is what the question is, what is it about the Hell's Angels performance at Altamont that showed the ideological convergence between me and them? Me and Hell's Angels. That's the question. They waited until there was a territorial breach and a <laughs> violation of international law. No, it was their and then they struck back with the it full was their unprecedentedly intrusive inspections. No, it wasn't any of that. There's a different answer. But the um, also I want to talk complain about media bias. This time not about Ukraine. This time about uh, what's it about? It's about some domestic issue. Um, um, I I I listened to your your podcast with Matt Iglesias, uh, expecting to. It to stir up a stew of resentment and bitterness and self-pity on my part, which it did. But Good. I have I have four points to make that don't involve bitterness and self-pity, or only a little. I'll only a little bitterness and self-pity. Uh, and uh, and so, like yeah. I said, uh, po points about wokeness and points about my favorite Marxist word, which I may misdefine, which is reification. That's Marxist? It's all about reification. It's sort of neo-Marxist, yeah. I New thought Marxist. in Marxism, everything important already is reified. It's material. Well, that's why it's neo-Marxist. I, I, I have an idiosyncratic definition of reification, which is told me by my law professors who may not have gotten it right, uh, which is reification is the false assumption that things are going to go on forever and they should go on forever. And it's the natural order that they go on forever the way they are now. Mm. So uh, a classic example of reification is we have labor unions now, so we'll always have labor unions. No, we won't. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Anyway. Okay. I did not. That's a new meaning to me. So, okay. So the Iglesias thing, by the way, uh, can be found here on YouTube, on what's now called the Non-Zero YouTube channel, or in what is now called Robert Wright's Non-Zero podcast. That was the rebranding uh, news that we've been unveiling in in really effective fashion, I think. And and uh, and and so um, now it's on to Patreon.com/slash/ParrotRoom for where for the price of a what a cup of coffee. People can the join us in the price in the, of that hamburger, the price of that hamburger, even back when eating it wouldn't have killed you, which was a few hours ago. Uh, <laughs> I just got it out of the refrigerator, Bob. Wait, how about this? You eat it live in the parrot room, and the draw, you know, the question will be, do you drop dead? I'm so tired, I'll probably drop dead by the end of it anyways. But um there's always that kind uh, of drama. You could never eat on camera, Bob. You know that. I do know that. Okay, so we will uh but see. Yeah, you'll be on your best behavior. As always, who needs, who needs the right to bear arms when you have the right to bear ketchup? Exactly. I know. I will. Uh, I will do nothing that'll lead you through. The right that to throw ketchup. Okay. Okay. We will see you there. We'll see if it sticks. Okay.